Yeah, add my amen and a welcome to you this morning. My name is Kurt. I am one of the pastors here. I don't want to fail to recognize that today is the 21st anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks and that uh, that is something that we as a nation have vowed we will never forget, right? And so we remember uh, also following the attacks, not only those who lost their lives, but if you remember that time, we saw an amazing unity and a sense of community that emerged in our nation as a result of the, the trauma and coming together after that happened. And so today, I just want to encourage us to not only not forget those who are lost, but to remember the possibilities that we saw of what a nation who can come together in love and unity can look like. And so in that spirit, I want to invite you to join me in praying for God's spirit as we look into his word this morning. Would you pray with me one more time? God, we do thank you for your love and your protection. And as we remember the attacks of 9-11, we we just pray for all of those whose lives were lost and their families that were impacted and the ongoing repercussions of that terrible time in our nation. We also thank you for the unity that we saw and the opportunity for us to rise above our, our differences and to come together as human beings who can really learn to love and care for one another in spite of all of our differences, and especially, God, here at your church, as, as the body of Christ in the world, we pray for that kind of unity to, to, be remi- to remind ourselves today that that is possible and that maybe as your church in the world, uh, we can be that hope on earth as we sang today, and we can lead our community. We can model what love and unity looks like even in those times when maybe we don't fully agree with one another. God, as we look to your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to us through your spirit and that you would allow each of us to hear a word that we need from you today, one that speaks through our heart and invites us to take another step into our relationship with you as we go on this journey together as disciples of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So I don't know if we can bring up the house lights a little bit more, but I'd love to see your your shining faces and we can see each other a little bit as well. Um, As we do that, I see that smiling face, Cindy. Uh, We are starting a new series today. It's a three-part series that's going to be our fall kickoff series that we're calling Innies and Outies, and how the church can push your buttons in all the right and all the wrong ways. Now, in a recent article that was written by uh, Joe Terrell, who is apparently the content manager for uh, Pastor Kerry Newhoff's online ministry and who is also the host of the Art of Leadership Daily podcast, which caught my attention. He begins with an intriguing quote that, that, that is what captured me, and, and, and I wanted to be able to share it with you, and, and maybe we can allow it to be an entree into this series for us this fall season. He started by saying, you have a secret you've never shared with anybody. You've always felt like an imposter in church. Anybody ever felt like an imposter in church? You ever anybody carrying that secret this morning? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> he goes on to say, at, at praise and worship services, you'd stand when you were expected to stand. Sing along with the words on the projection screen and sometimes even raise your hands with your eyes closed. Most often during the key change at the song's bridge. But if you're honest with yourself, he says, like really honest, You didn't do any of that because you felt a supernatural compulsion to do so. You did it because that's what you thought you were supposed to do. You did it because you wanted to fit in. 
Now, in the article, he goes on to explain how, as an adult, he came to a better understanding of himself, and as he began to discover that he was kind of hardwired to be more of an introvert than an extrovert, he started to have a a huge sense of relief because as he looked back on his upbringing as, as someone who grew up in the church, he began, it helped him to explain some of the reasons why he so often felt like a, an imposter at different points throughout his life. But he goes on to say that it also began to dredge up other more uncomfortable questions that, that, that highlight the fact that much of what we think of when we think about church today are more often designed for people with a more extroverted personality type. He says on church retreats or at Bible studies, if this fits with you, you'd listen to peers describing their relationship with Jesus like it was something out of a paperback romance novel, full of flowery prose and intimate yearnings, and you'd think to yourself, I wish I knew what that felt like. And when it came your time to share, you, you maybe exaggerated your spiritual experiences to try and match the energy in the room. Or while listening to sermons, you could never turn the analytical part of your brain off. You'd sit in the pew poking and prodding at the message in your head, scanning for logical fallacies and straw man arguments. Sure, you were listening, in fact, very attentively, but probably not in the way that the preacher would have appreciated <laughs> Maybe that's you this morning. See, these examples, he says, come not only from his own personal experience, but he suspects depict what many people in our churches have grown up with, have experienced, and continue to struggle with today, quietly and silently, because they can't speak it out, because it seems like only extroverts are the ones who are really celebrated and praised in the culture of the church. Can you identify with what he's talking about this morning? See, the reality, he says, is somewhere between one-third and one-half of all the people are introverts. Some of us are innies, and some of us are outies. And depending on how you're wired, sometimes your experience of church can push your buttons in all the right or all the wrong ways. Now, you might be asking, why are we even talking about this today? (laughs) Well, at Faith Covenant Church, we want to be a place where everyone can belong. We want to be a place where everyone can grow in their relationship with Jesus and where everyone can find a place of meaningful service and a sense of calling from the Lord. And in our core three words, if you've been here at all for a while, you might know for our discipleship journey are connecting, growing, and serving. And the reality is, I think Terrell is right. But a lot of what we do at church might leave one-third to even half of the people who are a part of our community feeling like they're, they're either somewhat of an imposter many of the times or perhaps not feeling like there's any real place of connection for them or any real way that, that invites them to grow in the way that they're wired to or a place of service that really fits with how God has created them. They're not, big, they're not big on high-energy group experiences or being an upfront figure or leading group conversations. They're more the, the behind-the-scenes, the face-to-face, the one-on-one folks. Extroverts and introverts or innies and outies, if we're really honest with ourselves, often connect differently and they grow differently and they serve differently. 
So taking our cue from Terrell's article and looking at how introverts may have received somewhat of a a bad rap when it comes to life in the church, while extroverts might find it easier to fit in and find a place of connection more quickly, I think we can look and see this as an example of how the Bible teaches us that in order for us to truly be the church, in order to truly be the community of Christ together in the world, and we in fact need every person to connect, to grow, and to serve including their unique personalities and their unique gifts and the unique things that each of us bring to the table, whether we're introverted or extroverted, in order for us, the Bible will tell us we need everyone in order to experience the manifest fullness of Christ among us. That's why he's brought us all together. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, the Apostle Paul says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Or in Ephesians 4, 15 to 16, he says, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as Each part does its work. You see, in God's divine design, the church, the community of God's people, we followers of Jesus Christ are intended to be a community of people that has a place of belonging and meaningful participation for every person. Maybe you, like Joe, have felt a little bit of an imposter at church at times because it hasn't seemed like much of what we do as a church is geared toward you or designed with your particular needs in mind. And so maybe as we explore how to become a church where everyone can find a place to connect and everyone can find a place to grow and everyone can find a place of service in God's kingdom, those who are more introverted among us may have something to teach us about how we all can better experience the fullness of Christ in and through our relationships together because we all need one another in God's design. So over the next three weeks, we'll not only be looking at some of the differences and benefits of being introverts and extroverts, but we will be working our way through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13. And I think what we're going to see is that Paul hits on all three aspects of our discipleship journey with Jesus using the three words that we use, connecting, growing, and serving, but he does it in a slightly different order. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump in in the middle, and we're going to start with chapter 12 at verse 12, and we're going to talk a little bit today about connecting as innies and outies. And then we're going to move on to chapter 13 next week to explore how we are invited to grow as innies and outies. And then we're going to return to the beginning of chapter 12 to talk about serving as innies and outies in the church. And so it's my prayer and my hope for you that you will see aspects of yourself reflected in what we talk about over the next few weeks. And that whether you consider yourself more of an innie or more of an outie, you'll be encouraged to know that you are both valued and needed by God and needed here at our church. Becoming an integral part of the body of Christ in this place and in this world is a part of each of our calling 
to be followers of Jesus as his disciples. So let's jump in and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a longer passage. We're going to read verses 12 through 27, where Paul delves into this analogy of the church as the body of Christ. He says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now the foot should say, because I am not a hand, now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would, they be? where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. You see where he's going here, right? He's talking about community. He's talking about church. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. In looking at introverts and extroverts as an example of what Paul is teaching here about what it means to be the church, of how the body of Christ is designed to operate, it's important that we recognize, I think, that there are no pure extroverts and pure introverts, right? Terrell says in his article, your predisposition towards introversion or extroversion sits on a scale or on a spectrum, and most people are clustered somewhere around the middle with a preference for one side or the other. People on the introvert side of the scale will find themselves often drained by highly stimulating environments and activities. Their temperaments and their personalities are more oriented inward to the world of thought and reflection and creativity. While the extrovert, in contrast, seeks out and is recharged by highly stimulating environments and activities, right? Their temperament and personalities are more oriented outward towards external stimulation and social interaction and engagement. Now, Tammy and I, in our marriage, we kind of straddle the line between extroversion and introversion as well. I don't know if you can guess who's who, but uh, Tammy tends to be the more extroverted one, <laughs> and I tend to be the more introverted one. Now, the reality is we both love going to parties, 
And we both love hanging out with people and engaging with people. The, the, the difference is, at the end of the party, I'm wiped out and I'm ready to go home and relax. And she's all excited and said, let's go out for coffee or let's keep it going because this is great. Right? I'm drained by the, by, by the output of relationship and she's recharged and energized by it. Neither is right and neither is wrong. They're just different. Now, if you're curious and want to know whether you are more introverted or extroverted, if you don't know just naturally, in the article, Terrell provides a, a, a link to a quiz that was pre- prepared by uh, a guy named Adam Grant, apparently in partnership with TED Talks. And we have that link for you, and there's a QR code. If you just hold your phone camera up to the screen and, and, and take a picture of the QR code, it'll take you as, to a link there. You can do that as well. Also, we're going to be sending out communication tomorrow as a follow-up to uh, the sermon series and all the things that you can be considering as we move into the fall season that you might sign up for or participate in. So we will be happy to get that information for you. And as always, as Anthony shared, you can use the Connect card, either the physical one here on campus or the digital one online to communicate with us and just simply say you're interested in the, uh, the, the survey and we'd be happy to get that information to you. Now, for those of us who might have a tendency more towards introversion, uh, which I was kind of indicating in the difference between Tammy and I, to be an introvert doesn't mean that you're an awkwardly shy person who wants to be left alone all the time, although sometimes it feels that way. It doesn't mean you're antisocial and incapable of deep and meaningful relationships. In fact, most introverts are incredibly charming and thoughtful and passionate people. It's just more on the inside than expressed on the outside. They're just less gregarious and more conservative with how they expend their energy and more sensitive to the environments around them. In fact, scientists will tell us that extroverts appear more sensitive to dopamine, which is the neurochemical that floods the brain during highly stimulating activities. While on the other hand, introverts appear to be more receptive to acetylcholine, which is another neurochemical that produces a feeling of pleasurable calm in moments of safety and quiet. And so Terrell tells us in the article that, like him, for anyone who's ever felt less than for not keeping pace with their extroverted colleagues or friends or brothers and sisters in church, you know, these highly stimulating environments that we often tout as being uh, the end-all, be-all to what it means to worship God and to be in Christian community, this brief science lesson on brain chemistry, he said, should give you also a huge relief. (laughs) In reality, if we look at Paul's word and what the Bible teaches and understand God's divine design for the church, we can actually say that introverts and extroverts are both essentially needed in order for us to be the healthy and the whole body of Christ that he's called us to be because that's how God made you and me. Terrell mentions two books and some quotes I want to share with you. Adam McHugh, Introverts in the Church, He writes, we can say that we are created as introverts. When our creator knit us together, he shaped our brains in such a way that we would find satisfaction and reflection and comfort in a slower and a calmer life. Or Holly Girth in The Powerful Purpose of Introverts says, when we turn inward, we're not withdrawing or holding back. 
We're choosing to show up in a sacred space of creativity, of contemplation and imagination. Our inner worlds are where insights, innovations, breakthroughs, solutions, and intimate connections to God originate. And yet many people would admit that the pressure to adopt a more extroverted personality trait as being a part of a church community continues to be a part of their experience and sometimes maybe even their frustration, the love-hate relationship with the church. Some years ago now, many of you who are familiar with Eugene Peterson's book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, said there's a great market for religious experience in our world. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. Little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. Religion in our time has been captured by the tourist mindset. If we're not careful, Terrell tells us, we can subtly or even not so subtly paint the picture that an authentic follower of Jesus is relentlessly optimistic, tirelessly energetic, emotionally expressive, and magnetically sociable. <laughs> Does that paint the picture of what you think of as an ideal Christian in your, in your upbringing? In other words, Terrell says, pure nightmare fuel for introverts. <laughs> So what does all of this mean for us as a church? See, as we explore what it means for us to become a church that truly makes disciples of Jesus, that invites people to discover their own story and their own shape and, and their own work and their ultimate purpose and calling in their life in Jesus, and to not just invite one another to be good church attenders, I believe we need to learn from our more introverted brothers and sisters what a deeper, more reflective, and more intentional experience of Christian community might look like if we truly lean into all of the gifts and the personalities that God has given us. We too have to recognize what Paul said in verses 21 and 22, that the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, he says, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. Whether it be in how we learn to approach Sunday worship from a broader spectrum of of people's needs and understand that maybe it doesn't always have to be all high energy and and rah-rah glee club kind of celebration, but maybe there's time for for silence and quiet and reflection and, and exploring the inner world of our lives as well. Or maybe in how we learn to value the differences in leadership styles, that, uh, where, where introverted people are, more, are less prone to uh, um, impulsive decision-making, right? Or looking for the next big trend that's going to create the big bang and the short-term win, as, as opposed to be driven by novelty, uh, we, we can lean into delayed gratification and a more thoughtful approach to where God is leading us and to discern the Spirit's movement among us. Or maybe how in relationships we can become more attuned 
to the hurts and the needs of others because we're not always trying to think about how other relationships are feeding our need, but we can learn to excel at the one-on-one interactions that are so desperately needed that sustain deeper friendships for a longer period of time. We have a lot to learn from you among us who tend to be more introverted in your wiring. But we need to create a church culture that both sees and values these differences among us. It's estimated by the Survey Center for American Life that in our society today, one out of three people say they have less than two close friends. And 12% say they have no close friends at all. Now, if you were able to be a part of our fourth Tuesday gatherings last spring, which is a really meaningful time of just exploring uh, our culture and the culture of the church and where God might be leading us, I shared with those people who were there my belief that the very thing that people most need in our society today and the thing that the church is best suited to provide is healthy intimacy. And yet healthy intimacy is the very thing that is most lacking in our society and sadly is most lacking in our churches. And Terrell in his article says, an introvert ability to develop and sustain close friendships may be their most potent superpower. (laughs) I love that. Extroverts excel at bringing people together, but introverts are likely the key to forming tight social bonds in groups that allow us to build genuine, lasting community together. And he concludes by saying, the dynamic interplay between extroverts and introverts cannot be overstated. When working together in harmony, the personality quirks and temperaments of extroverts and introverts appear designed designed to magnify each other's strengths and to mitigate each other's weaknesses. Isn't that just how God works? The Bible says it this way again, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Now we're going to pick this up next week as we talk about how we grow differently as extroverts and introverts and how we can become a church that that provides a place and a pathway for each of us to grow within our unique wiring as we look into 1 Corinthians 13. But but I I want to wrap up today before I pray to offer you a quick uh, announcement and invitation to something that we're going to be doing this fall. In addition to this introductory series that that I hope you find uh, intriguing and beneficial, this fall we're we're going to be reintroducing our fourth Tuesday gatherings, but in a new way, in an updated format. And here's what I mean by that. We're going to be offering these gatherings as a discipleship training experience. It's for those who are ready and wanting to engage in a more intentional discipleship journey here at the church. And here's what that means and what it's going to look like. So so we're going to work through connecting, growing, and serving, and how we can all be leaning into that in our relationship with Jesus. And we're going to start with a come and see lunch on Sunday the 25th, right after service. It's a one-time commitment. There's no commitment after that. You can come to the lunch and hear more about what we're going to be doing. And if if you're, you know, uh, wanting to sign up at that point, then you can commit uh, to the three Tuesdays in September, October, and November 
and a follow-up celebration lunch on December 11th. So in addition to the lunch on the 25th, there's going to be four sessions, and that's all we're asking you to commit to. But when you sign up, we're asking you to commit to be at all four sessions because we're going to do it together in community. So you're committing to the people who are also going to be there as well. Does that make sense? And so be thinking about that and be praying about that. And as I said, we're going to be sending out more information digitally tomorrow through email. You can reach us at the church and you can also find information on our website. So we are wanting to not only invite everyone to find a place of connection and growth and service here at the church, but we want to recognize that we need to be listening to one another. And those of us who have unique and special gifts that maybe we haven't been hearing or engaging with, this is a part of an opportunity for us to begin to open the doors for those kinds of conversation and discovery together. And so to wrap up, and as I invite you to pray with me again, I just want to read with you, to you one more time the words of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, where Paul says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And isn't it He who is the one that we are here to follow? Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you have wired each one of us differently. And none of us is the same, even though many of us may have similarities. And we thank you that you have reminded us through your word today that you have designed church to be a place of belonging for every person. But not just belonging, but it's, it's a place where each of our personalities and uniqueness are, are needed in order for us collectively to experience your fullness among us. And so as we enter into this fall season and as we go through this new series, I pray, God, that you would open our hearts and our minds to the ways that you might be inviting each one of us both to contribute the story of our experience of church and how we can learn from one another from the pros and the cons of the past so that we can together find ways of building a different church and a healthier culture and a more robust discipleship journey together. God, lead us into deeper, more intimate relationships with one another. Help us not to be satisfied with the Sunday morning show, but, but to go deeper between Sundays and to seek out one another for genuine, intimate, discipling relationships with one another. And God, we ask that you would bring your grace and your healing through those relationships because we know, God, in the bottom line, it's not about how good we are but it's about how good you are and how you invite us into a journey of greater and greater holiness through your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.